You're listening to Bloomberg Law. I'm June Grosso in New York with Greg Store in Washington, D.C. It's a top French luxury brand known for craftsmanship, design, limited supply, and long waiting lists, and it protects that brand. Jules Hermès, the dawn of a new fragrance. That's why the luxury giant Hermès is suing a small chain of Melbourne boutiques for selling what it claims are knockoff bracelets. The bracelet in question is a leather bracelet with the distinctive Hermès H-clasp. Hermès claims that it made three attempts to contact the owner of the boutiques called EM Style to order her to stop selling the bracelets, but got no response. Our guests are Terrence Ross, a partner at Catton Rosenman, and Susan Scafidi, director of the Fashion Law Institute at Fordham University School of Law. They're joining us now on the Spectrum Enterprise phone line. Spectrum Enterprise nationwide, fiber-based network, and IT infrastructure solutions. Terry, you can go online and look up replica Hermes bracelets and get them for $35 or so. So why is Hermes pursuing this against this small chain of Australian boutiques? Well, in this case, June, the boutiques seem to be particularly aggressive in pushing this out as counterfeit Hermes uh, product and uh, resist it, repeat it, uh, request to cease and desist from Hermes. Um, and at some point, enough becomes enough. Um, these uh, fashion retailers who depend so much upon the value of their trademark simply cannot ignore this sort of blatant counterfeiting. Susan, what's the legal standard that Hermes would have to meet if this case were to go forward in, in court? Is it that the consumer has to be confused about the origin of the products or, or something else? Well, if it is the case, as Hermes alleges, that these copies are in fact substantially identical, uh, then we're not even so concerned about consumer confusion, right? Uh, but if they were merely it showed a resemblance of some sort, then we might ask that question. Uh, but overall, you're right. The general trademark standard is one of likelihood of consumer confusion. Um, and the Australian Trademark Office, of course, would have taken this into account in considering this trademark. Terry, do the boutiques have any defense here? Can they say this really isn't the same, the H looks a little bit different, or the leather is different? It's hard to see a viable uh, defense that the boutiques might have. Uh, I'd note in particular that um, the investigators who went in on behalf of Hermes um, to to follow up on the complaints they had received um, spoke to, um, on an undercover basis, spoke to one of the retail clerks who was very proud and expressed that these were counterfeits. Um, And and I think in that sort of circumstance, it's very hard um, to claim that you were within some sort of legal right um, that consumers weren't really uh, confused. They were purposefully counterfeiting these Hermes products, and counterfeiting in Australia is against the law, just as it is here in the United States, without regard to consumer confusion. So, Terry, even though they say this is a copy, this isn't the real thing, it's still considered a counterfeit. When the person knows they're not buying an Hermes bracelet. In traditional trademark law, there was a requirement of consumer confusion. Um, Most uh, Western nations, including the United States, have enacted anti-counterfeiting laws that set aside that requirement and simply say, if you are free riding 
off of the um, name brand of another famous mark, Hermes is clearly a famous mark under any definition, then you have committed an independent civil wrong, um, which can be stopped by the courts. Susan, why should that be? Why? I mean, you have a willing buyer, willing seller, uh, you know, buying a product. I, you know, I'm buying something. I know it's not, you know, of the quality of of Hermes or or some other name brand. Uh, You know, why shouldn't we let this kind of sale go through? I think the greatest concern here for Hermes here is a dilution of their brand, uh, because the more replicas are out there, especially if they are indeed substantially identical to the originals, at least in, in appearance, uh, perhaps from a distance, uh, or if you don't actually touch the leather, which is probably leather in this case. Uh, but it, it, the, the concern is that if there are enough replicas out there, uh, the consumer who would have bought Hermes will simply pass it up and not bother uh, to buy the real thing. So there's that kind of market dilution. There's even a possibility of market substitution. Why buy the Hermes when you can get the replica so much cheaper? So those two things are really primary in the mind of Hermes. I think the other thing to remember is um, you you described the uh, the chain as a small chain and the uh, Australian press described it as a tiny chain, but there are only four Hermes boutiques in all of Australia. So in that sense, it may be that uh, Australian consumers would have more access to these particular boutiques than they would to the real thing. So there's that kind of concern about perception of the brand overall. Terry, the according to the in, to the uh, Hermes attorneys, there was no response from the boutique owner, and the case will be heard on March 10th unless it's resolved earlier by the parties. Is it likely that the owner is just going to keep dragging her feet until the ca- until the case? time comes, or is a settlement likely? What we typically see in these counterfeit goods cases is an attempt by the defendant, the counterfeiter, to drag the matter out, drag the matter out, try to um, uh, obtain the best possible settlement from the trademark owner, from the brand, uh, and in the hopes that the cost of the enforcement of the trademark is so high uh, that the brand owner is willing uh, to settle for relatively inexpensive payment. Um, as well as secession of um, selling the good. The most frequent thing you see is that uh, the counterfeiter wants the right to sell off its stock of counterfeit goods before it stops um, engaging in the counterfeit practices, which has always amazed me. Uh, And yet if they drag things on long enough, they often get the brand to agree to something like that. Susan, according to news reports uh, at the store, uh, there are other uh, uh, what, what appear to be knockoffs, a whole whole number of other brands. Is Hermes being especially uh, aggressive in pressing this suit, whereas the other companies apparently uh, haven't filed suit again against this boutique yet? Every brand really has to pick and choose their battles. It's not possible to simply ignore counterfeiting where it occurs, lest your trademark actually become generic and you lose it. So every brand out there that wants to keep its trademarks has to do a certain amount of anti-counterfeiting enforcement. But that doesn't mean that every brand will pick the same chain or the same vendor every time. It's just a matter of doing enough enforcement to make to 
gra- to attack those particular uh, vendors that are that you feel are actually harming your market, or of which you might make an example, um, and at the same time to maintain the uh, the integrity of your brand. Terry, just a little time left, but. Has there been a lot more enforcement actions on for trademarks and for retail goods since the Internet has burgeoned as far as shopping is concerned? Oh, my, yes, June. Um, you look at Gucci in particular, which has filed several lawsuits over the last a couple of years suing hundreds of Internet sites in a single lawsuit to get them to stop selling what purports to be uh, Gucci products. So, yes, the Internet has seen an uptick in the um, enforcement level uh, by um, luxury brand uh, retailers. Thank you both so much. It's always a pleasure to have you both on Bloomberg Law. That's Terrence Ross, a partner at Catton Rosenman, and Susan Scafidi, the director of the Fashion Law Institute at Fordham University School of Law, which is the first fashion law institute in the country.